What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt, this edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. What's today? Oh, it's Valentine's Day. February 14th. February 14th. 2019. 2019. Uh, the price of Bitcoin, according to the trade block XBX index, is currently waiting, waiting, waiting. $3,576.09, the XBX index. That is shout out trade block for putting that together. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Actually, we don't have like too much to talk about today. We're a little struggling a little bit on the list, but I think we're going to be able to riff off some stuff. This is my third time recording this week. You've been fucking hustling this week, man. There's uh, Yeah, so I got a lot going on in my mind in particular. Before we get into the topics, uh, new sponsor actually interviewed their CEO earlier this week, Alex Adelman. Uh, I would like to introduce you, Freeze, to Lolly. Um, Lolly lets you earn up to 30% back in Bitcoin when you shop online. They have over 500 merchants, uh, so you can shop on Jet, Overstock, SeatGeek, Priceline, Hotwire, Walmart, CVS, Best Buy, Gap, Macy's, Hilton, Marriott, and the list is only getting longer. Uh, what you do is you basically shop like you would online normally. Uh, Lolly has an extension that you download, and you just shop via their extension. They have deals with these retailers for you, uh, and as part of a Ebates like cashback deal, Every purchase you make gets you a little bit of Bitcoin. So go to uh, lolly.com backslash ref, R-E-F backslash T-F-T-C to check out Lolly. Download that extension and check out the interview with Alex. It was a good one. I like what they're doing at Lolly, trying to get uh, Bitcoin in the hands of consumers. Uh, I think it's a very, very good way to sort of introduce people to Bitcoin and uh, excited to have them on board. Welcome on board, Lolly. I'm like halfway through your your pod, your lolly pod, the most recent one. Very good, very good. Pretty exciting stuff. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, Seems like things are starting to click for people in in sort of the mainstream consumer app world, and uh, it's it's good to see consumer facing apps like Lolly, which sort of don't run on Bitcoin or something like that, but imp- implement Bitcoin in a way that makes people sort of curious to to acquire it. You know, spend fiat, stack stats. Yeah, exactly. Spend fiat, stack sats. Um, and they're, what I was actually happy to hear after speaking with Alex is that they're very privacy-focused, very security-focused. Uh, one of the interesting stories he told uh, in, in the interview was the fact that uh, the previous company he was building before Lolly, Cosmic, was one of the few retailers online that had access to Target's API uh, right before the hack. And they were one of the few vendors with access to their API that was not responsible for the leak. So that gives me a little bit of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That's what I'm looking for. It gives me a little bit of uh, comfort. Knowing, peace of mind? Yeah, peace of mind. There we go. Yeah, that was my biggest, That's my. it continues to be my biggest concern, right? Because you're installing an extension. They're seeing all your purchases. Um, I haven't actually checked the extension yet. I'm not sure what permissions they take. Uh, but it seems like they don't do any type of KYC for Bitcoin withdrawal, but I'm not positive. I don't think so at this point now. But either way, you know, whenever you install extensions onto your browser, you know, just be aware of it. Be aware. They are a privacy and security hole. This is true. Whether that's the Casa Node extension or the Jewel extension or the Lolly extension. Yeah, don't be too reckless. Only keep... Uh, as much Bitcoin as you're willing to lose, obviously. This is beating a dead horse here, but it's never... Actually, I don't think this horse can be beat dead. It's a living horse. The yeah. horse is living and we're beating it. Yeah, we're going to beat it forever until you freaks 
uh, take responsibility for your private keys. Now you said backslash for a ref link. It's forward slash, right? It's forward slash, yeah. yeah. So lolly.com slash ref slash TFTC. Yeah. Yeah, the slash is going from top right to bottom left. I love these. I like. I feel like Honey Miner is a similar um, situation here because basically the user is doing something they're already doing, whether that's running their computer or buying things, and it's automatically creating buy pressure for Bitcoin. So I really love that that circular feedback loop. It's pretty fucking fantastic. I do too, and that's a perfect segue into the second ad for this. Uh, this episode's also brought to you by Honey Miner, a very great uh, partner that we have here. Uh, you freaks know about them. They've run uh, ads here and in the Bent before. Uh, check out their new Linux implementation. For any of you guys with Linux hardware out there that want to mine, go to honeyminer.com slash labs. Uh, there's zero fees, no account required, Bitcoin payouts every two hours, and profitability is about 10% above market value, specifically for this Linux implementation. So it's compatible with Ubuntu 16.04 and Ubuntu 18.04 or CentOS 7. So get started now at honeyminer.com slash labs. Our ref link for that is stackingsats.com. Stackingsats.com. No www before. Yeah, no World Wide Web. Fuck that shit. Just straight stacking sets. Also, I did not know we had a Honey Miner ad, so that was not intentional. That was not intentional at all. But thank you for sponsoring the pod, Honey Miner. But again, going back to what you're saying with these circular uh, sort of closed-loop systems, that's like what I got into with Alex a little bit, too. It's like crazy. Like, all right, Lightning... I mean, Honey Miner isn't as uh, tied together with Lightning as Lolly has the potential to be. Um, But, like... Uh, we were talking about how uh, the incentives sort of compound compound from layer to layer. So Lightning sort of proving a use case where in the future, uh, a closed-loose closed loose system may make sense because it would be irresponsible not to use Lightning as a payments network because it is arguably cheaper than the alternatives, which is credit card or debit card payment systems. Well, I mean, Lightning's useful for both of them in that they both are measuring returns and satoshis there's a very you know small incremental returns you're getting in in bitcoin and by utilizing lightning they're able to create the withdrawal threshold could be way lower right cuz like both honey miner and lolly you're using basically a custodial wallet their custodial wallet till you hit a certain threshold where it's worth it for both you and them to actually withdraw it out to your own wallet right and if if you're you're paying on-chain fees that threshold is going to be way higher than if if you're doing lightning withdrawals. That's true. Um, yeah, and I would not be surprised at all if these teams are working on on figuring this out. Like that, like OpenNode, for instance, which is custodial merchant uh, lightning processing, um, they let you withdraw your balance from their custodial wallet if you're a merchant at any time if you use Lightning Network. But if you want to do it on chain, you have to do it on a weekly basis when they batch out all their transactions. Otherwise you have to pay an increased fee. So it's, it's the same exact type of, you know, where, where you have custodial situations where they want to minimize transaction fee costs as much as possible. Yeah. Great point. Um, and also side note, I think I just saw honey miner came out with some, uh, mining educational resources, uh, on their website. So if you want to go check those out, I haven't checked them out yet, so I can't speak to how robust they are, but it seems like they're trying to help with education too, which I love to see. It's our mission here at TFTC. Rabbit Hole Recap is to educate you freaks. Yeah, they brought Not So Fast on, and I feel like 
Yeah. I have a shit ton of respect for him in the yeah. mining space. So at not so fast on Twitter has been a been an OG in the space, particularly mining. He's been mining many many chains. He's for a many spec years. miner, so like yeah. he gets in before there's exchanges or anything like that, which is basically what like honey miners trying to do for you, but you don't have to worry about it because they pay you and they auto dump it and pay you in Bitcoin. Yeah, um, but I actually liked that you brought up uh, replacing fees in that previous conversation because that's something we want to talk about. I wrote about it in the Ben today. Uh, Bitcoin Optech, their newsletter. If you guys aren't subscribed to that yet, please go subscribe. It's some of the most rich uh, information pertaining to Bitcoin sent to your inbox every week. And this week in particular, there was a, a report and analysis, if you will, uh, dropped by this dude, Mike Schmidt from Blockstream, who basically uh, tried to see how exchanges, wallets, and block explorers are handling RBF transactions replaced by fee transactions. Uh, he also pointed out that only 6% of Bitcoin transactions right now are RBF compatible. Uh, but uh, the RBF transactions that have been used in the past are able to go from wallet to wallet, exchange to exchange, explore to explore, and see how they're visualizing this for people. And while the report was about replaced by fee, it really, I think it was about overarchingly was like the poor UX that exists for these pro service providers uh so i'm like a huge ux freaks as you freaks know um so it really just highlights the dire need for better ux practices from wallet providers again exchanges and block explorers like if you're sending the example used was a replaced by fee transaction so if you're sending an rbf transaction you want to know uh what transaction it could potentially replace when it does replace it and just have a clear understanding that the original transaction wasn't sent, your RBF transaction was included and sort of visualizing and making it sort of clean cut for everybody right now because most wallet providers, exchanges, and block explorers do a pretty piss poor job of that right now. Yeah, I remember during the fee crisis, it was like a super common thing for me to get questions from people. Um, I sent this transaction eight hours ago it's not confirmed yet where's my money did i lose my money how do i fix this you know what's the solution here and these all stem from mostly ux issues i mean even stuff like uh fee estimation mm -hmm. like all the wallet all the main wallet providers basically had to figure out on the fly during the fee crisis during the most recent fee crisis how do we handle fee estimation? Do we want to estimate a little bit too high so the customer is happy that it went through, even if it cost them more money? Um, do we want to estimate a little bit lower, you know, be conservative about it so they don't pay as much? And then if you have people estimating higher, it creates this circular loop where all the wallets are estimating higher it's and the fees just keep up. going up yeah. and up and up, right? Um, and... So in a lot of ways, that was very important because now the fee estimators are way across the board on all the major wallets are way more accurate than they were before. They make way better assumptions than they were before. And then also you have, you know, user education side where like users should know, like if you want to save some money, you know, let your transaction sit for 24 hours, do it ahead of time, you know, consolidate your UTXOs, stuff like that. Yeah, so here's one thing uh, that I learned today that I was a little bit ignorant of. So you basically have to have your UTXO set up in an address structure that allows for RBF, right? Because RBF, it was 
in the original implementation, then Satoshi turned it off for a little bit. And then Peter Todd wrote a BIP that got implemented, I believe, five years ago. Um, but again, Mike pointed out that only 6% of all Bitcoin UTXOs are in addresses. I could be butchering this explanation. I think um, it's when you send it, right? The format when you send it yes, needs to be RBF compatible. Yes. I mean, the, ma the, the only wallet that I know that supports RBF reasonably easy is Electrum, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like uh, Electrum's always on top of this shit. And like when you send the transaction, it's like you check off the RBF box yeah, before you send it. Exactly. Um, so that's just one thing to be aware of, especially if we enter another bull market and uh, fees do start jumping and the mempool gets filled up again. Just sort of be cognizant that if you do send a transaction in the future, make sure, uh, especially during times of high fees and high congestion on the network that you make it rbf compatible so you can get that through uh if if you're if if you need to get it through in a timely manner and uh, your fee wasn't good enough the first time around absolutely yeah so i was talking to rbf i mean i think that it's it's like everything else with bitcoin right we'll see it um we'll see it roll out slowly across the board and uh we'll probably to see it actually really truly roll out like we need another fee crisis yeah that's what get you know. That's when customers start pushing for this stuff. That's when users start saying, "Why are you using that wallet? You should be using this wallet. It, you know, it handles it better." Yeah, blocks are getting full right now. I just saw Kyle Torpy retweeted something like the average block over a very recent period. The average block size is like one point three megabytes. Call me a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist, but it is awfully coincidental that the mempool seems to be filling up a little bit here once all this block size talk started up again. Right. And, uh, I mean, I noticed F2 pool, uh, people don't realize that regardless of all this soft fork talk, everything, miners get to choose how big their blocks are, you know, up into the limit. They can mm -hmm. make them as small as they want. They can include, like, no transactions. Um and they lose out on the transaction fees naturally. That's the that's the incentive for them to include transactions. And I I noticed one of uh, one of my buddies sent me either yesterday or the day before like F two pool. It's like not completely out of the ordinary, but F two pool mined four empty blocks, like amongst all this, right? And F two pool is one of the guy. You know, th those are the guys that like they the fucked around the with us last time. The teeter on the fence. Yeah, Wang Chun. Remember when yeah. he was like fucking around with Litecoin Segwit and uh, and they were fucking around with their Coinbase messages too. Yeah, yeah. So, so just be aware. You know, there's and and that's why the block size limit exists in the first place because it become if someone is trying to maliciously fill up these blocks, it gets too costly for them they end up burning through a ton of money because the circular loop as they keep sending them fees go up and then they have to pay higher fees to keep doing it and it yeah it makes it unprofitable yeah um yeah so again just be aware of that uh that debate god it's just so f it's all mental masturbation so fucking it's kind of nostalgic you know it's like what would it be a true bear market if we weren't arguing over the block size and whether or not the fix the supply should be fixed? Like I feel like crabs in a bucket, man. I feel like ten years from now we'll be in another local bear market and we'll be arguing about the block size and hopefully and in ten emissions. years. Hopefully in ten years we won't have to fight as vigorously. 
I mean, I don't think we're fighting as vigorously now. I think most people in the know just know this is all just bullshit. This yeah. is just whatever. It's it's not going to happen. Um, it's completely unnecessary. Bitcoin is extremely efficient as is. It's relatively easy to run your own node. That's not... I don't think bandwidth costs and accessibility is what's holding back people from running nodes right now. No, I don't think so either. Um, and my <coughs> node running on my shitty internet connection is a perfect uh, example of that. And Luke's been on this 300 kilobyte bullshit for like ever. Yeah. So, you know, and, and of course, like all the Bitcoin cash people are like Do feigning it. bullshit support. Like half the people supporting this idea don't own any Bitcoin anymore. They all just got wrecked in the last. Yeah. They just want to see the world burn. Um, speak, speaking of Bitcoin cash, uh, Craig Wright, he came out with some evidence that he wrote the white paper in 2001. What are your thoughts? How the fuck does Selkis keep taking this guy at like fucking face value face value he was like this confirms it it finally confirms that's what selkis said are you kidding me dude yeah wikileaks had to come out bring the hammer down (laughs) wikileaks called him the bernie madoff of bitcoin right yeah and basically showed how he doctored it and and the funny thing about the proof that he provided that he wrote the bitcoin white paper was that he didn't even fucking recognize that there was a uh a draft of the Bitcoin white paper released in August 2008 that had very different verbiage. And he was, apparently, that white paper he wrote in 2001 was based off the final draft. The final draft, yeah. yeah. And then he, he went back to the drawing board before he released, yeah, okay, dude. I mean, it comes down to the fact that can he definitively prove he's Satoshi by signing keys? No. But if he signs with early keys, his technology... Satoshi's technology, Bitcoin, allows you to prove ownership of funds in a cryptographically secure way that doesn't require trust by signing a message with your private keys. And so if he's really, he can prove that he's like a true OG from right in the beginning and and give way more plausibility that he's Satoshi if he signed some of those early blocks with you know, some of those early coins, uh, if you use some of those keys to sign a message. And he hasn't. He just keeps doing all this bullshit runaround stuff. And once that started happening for like six months, like anyone who isn't like completely naive should have realized like this is just a straight con man. Like this is what he is, this a, is like frauds a, do. A right? straight con man. And a lot of respectable people in this industry fucking fall for it, dude. I had, uh, I mean, I've told this before, but I've had prominent fund managers look me in the eye and tell me that Craig Wright is Satoshi, so... Well, they got everyone at the Satoshi Roundtable last year. Last year, everyone went to... Like, a bunch of people went to the private Satoshi Roundtable hosted by Bruce Fenton, and uh, they came away, like, convinced that Craig Wright was Satoshi. So I don't know what the fuck happened Dude, they had the original designs to the Bitcoin logo, man. There you go. It's definitive proof. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. And now Craig's on, like, a tour about how... Uh, Bitcoin isn't for anything illegal, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we should respect all regulations. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Just start ignoring him. That's what I've done. Yeah, I wasn't even, I was hope. I didn't think we were going to talk about him today, but whatever. I, I just guess. had a segue into it. Yeah. The segue was there. Got to take it when it's there. Next topic, tipping.me. New extension, hooks up with your Twitter account. 
is a good way. It's a custodial service to get Lightning Network or to get Satoshis via the Lightning Network. Uh, I saw Brian Trolls, Trolls was uh, coming at Tippin on Twitter yesterday uh, telling how using this extension in particular it links up with your Twitter, which potentially links up with your real email address could be a huge doxing situation. Yes, and it's custodial. Um, the nice thing about Tippin.me is if someone activates their account, you can just go to Tippin.me slash and then whatever their at name is on Twitter and it'll pop up. Like we have TFTC is there. Um, I have a personal one. Like that's our whiskey fund. <coughs> but um, they just came out with an extension that 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 if you have the extension installed and remember our disclaimer earlier about extensions, I haven't actually installed this extension. But when you have the extension installed, it'll show a tip in button next to anyone who I think it shows it for every tweet. But if if you click it and they haven't activated it, then it doesn't work. But if you click it and they've activated it, not only that, if you have Jewel installed, the Jewel browser extension, the lightning extension, it'll automatically read the invoice. So you don't even have to copy and paste or scan which is really fucking cool. Um, all lightning transactions that go through something like Twitter are, can be linked to your Twitter account. I would actually say this is probably a privacy bump, more private than something like putting a Bitcoin address, tip address in your Twitter profile, which is what a lot of people do as an alternative. Um, then that Bitcoin address is linked to you and anyone that has a copy of the blockchain can look up all your transactions to and from that address with tippin.me they can expose your privacy tippin.me sees everything that's coming in and going out but no one else does there's not there's there's i'm i'm pretty sure um unless you're like actively refreshing and checking the invoices and stuff there's no way to it's very it's much more difficult i don't like speaking absolutely it's much more difficult to track those transactions. Like if I wanted to track the tips you're getting, it'd be a lot much more, it'd be way more difficult for me to track those than if you just posted a Bitcoin address. True. And if you are going to post a Bitcoin address, try setting up a Samurai NIM address. Correct. Um, it's probably the best way to do that uh, without fucking up your, your privacy. Um, what was I going to say? I had something to say about tipping in particular. So you have to trust tipping. What else was I going to say? You're only trusting them with oh. little amounts because you can withdraw at any time through Lightning. Here's right? what I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to ask something. Is this is this time different? How is tipping different than change tip? I fucking loved change tip. I did too. So let's um, explain change tip to the freak. Change tip was the same exact idea, except they instead of using Lightning, they used a custodial Bitcoin wallet. So you would like load up your change tip wallet, and then. You would tip someone on Twitter or Reddit and you would you'd basically it's like the XRP bot. You would like notify the bot, you would tag the bot and you'd be like, send one beer. So like I would always send like and like you could make whatever you could make the names correspond to whatever amount of Bitcoin you wanted. So like I would send like like 50 cent. I would send them like a blunt on Twitter. You know, it was like a good way of like, and the beauty about change tip was cause it was all custodial. If the recipient didn't accept your tip it never actually went through. So it was like just a great way to, that's why the XRP tip bot guys are always just fucking sending tips all over the place. 
But um, the big issue with Change Tip is there's no real business model there because these networks are so open that a competitor can come in and undercut you if you charge any kind of real fees. Uh, Tipping.me is way lighter weight because it's Lightning Network. So even though it's custodial, even though this guy has to run servers and stuff, the onboarding process where you're not actually loading up money, you don't need you know, a tipping account to send a tip. You just need any Lightning wallet and stuff. It's just way more lightweight. There's way less transaction fees than on-chain. And, you know, he can probably get away with like a 1% fee or something in the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, his big issue is going to be when Twitter inevitably rolls out their own in-house custodial lightning tipping, right? Yeah. Um, which, hey, it might be on the docket. I don't know, but I've been I've been itching for a tip bot again for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And then so before change tip, we actually had on Reddit, at least we had an actual on change tip bot that would send a Bitcoin transaction with no custodial or whatever. And then the fees got too high and then change tip got created and then change tip got bought by a big company and not Airbnb. Right. I don't know about that. It was an aqua hire. I know by someone. It was like an Airbnb or something I like completely Dan unrelated was on the change tip team at one point. Um, I forget. It might have been blockchain. No, I I think they got no his other company Zero Block got bought by blockchain. That's what it was, yeah. But I think he was on the Change Tip team. I'm pretty sure the Change Tip team got bought by Airbnb nice. as an aqua hire, and then they just closed it down. But either way, Tipping on me is really cool. Um, it's just like I don't know. As like, look at us as like podcasters. Like, it's just really easy for us to set up a TFTC Tipping on me. It's linked to our Twitter account. You know, it's us. You know where to find it, and you can just send us. 17 cents towards whiskey if you wanted to right like that's cool every satoshi counts every satoshi counts stack and sats.com um speaking of stacking sats how about sending sats to space spacebit.live uh cool thing that you who put it together ride the light mediums yeah or medium, medium squeeze squee- at yeah. medium squeeze on twitter yeah um and you basically put together this uh website Spacebit.live that allows you to use Testnet, Lightning Network, uh, Satoshi's to send messages to space, and apparently you spent one. It's a, it's the web, it's like a web, in, it's like a simple web interface for Blockstream's satellite API, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of having to go through uh, whatever you have to normally go through, he made it so it's just a website that's super simple. You enter your message, you pay with Lightning Testnet coins, and it gets broadcast. Yeah, were you playing around with it? I might have been. I might have been. Just scouring for the messages. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I sent out a little troll message. That's all. What? Um, we've talked about this or tried to talk about this before. Like, I'm trying to wrap my head around, like, what does an open API to a satellite, like, what type of applications is that, like, open the world to? Like, is it that big of a deal or is it just, like, a cool toy? Well, for whistleblowers alone, I think it's a big deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I still like my like weather sensor idea and stuff like that, right? Where you can have, you don't have to worry about like making backroom deals with people and everything to hitch a ride on their satellite for communications. You can just anonymously make, have your systems make microtransactions to send information across the world. Yeah. Seems pretty dope. I would love to see some, somebody build an app around that. I know I can't do it right now. I could see like, 
like uh yeah you can just i mean look once you if you encrypt the text you can do some crazy things with it like you can you know like bitcoin private keys like a, a single multi-sig key so even if someone has access to a multi-sig key you know if it's two or three they still need a second one stuff like that like you do some crazy shit yeah the future's here boys and girls and it's weird and i like it i hope you freaks like it too um next topic one of our favorites venezuela uh hit an all-time high bitcoin volume on local bitcoins last week with uh 2454 bitcoin being traded weekly let yeah last week uh at a notional value of 8.95 million dollars um it's a little over a million a day a little over a million a day that's all-time high in both U.S. dollar measured volume and in Bitcoin measured volume. Yeah, so this is something we've been trying to figure out. What's been going on? Are they using Bitcoin to as a rails to get to U.S. dollars? Are they holding? It seems as though they may be using it as a remittance network for U.S. dollars. Uh, both? Maybe both. Um, but yeah, that's uh, encouraging to see. And, and I don't know if we talked about this last week. I think we did talk about it last week, but... Uh, the paper that that Matt that we talked about that, but we didn't talk about all time high because the 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 recent Venezuela weekly volume hadn't been been posted yet. yet. Yeah. So after that article, which we talked about last week, uh, it seems as though that trend is continuing. Um, so again, go to what is it? BTC Ven. At BTC Ven. Yeah, go check out at BTC Ven. Help them out if you can. They're probably. They're the organization that we trust on the ground down there. Is that safe to assume? Yeah, we're like like pretty sold on it. Yeah, you know, p- putting a lot of uh, been shilling them a lot lately. So hopefully, they they seem like good people, and uh, a lot of people that we know have vouched for them and have met met them in person. And um, yeah, they they've just they've been they've been fucking hustling down there, giving out food, giving out water, education. Yeah. They have this new project, a MeshNet project, that you can also support separately. Yes, yes. MeshNet. Um, very interesting stuff. I'm actually going to talk to Richard Myers this summer, next time he's in town. Badass. Yeah. I had some coffee with him. He's an awesome dude. Seems like an awesome of dude. Of Gotenna. Yeah. But speaking of uh, alternate transaction relay networks, our boy Novak at, at NVK on Twitter, our Canadian brother up north, CEO of Open Dime and Cold Card, uh, he was experimenting sending Bitcoin transactions offline via ham radio waves. And he successfully sent one to Sam Patterson from, I believe, Montreal to uh, maybe Alberta. I'm not positive where. And somewhere in Canada. bounced off the ionosphere. Yeah, bounced it off the ionosphere. I believe Sam Patterson was somewhere in the Midwest. And then what's actually even cooler is that Adam Carey, who's the godfather of podcasting, we got to pay respects to him. Um and he was like an ex-MTV news host. He's getting into Bitcoin. And he just so happens to be a ham radio enthusiast as well. And asked Novak to send him uh, a transaction via ham radio wave. And he accepted it. So this is somebody like in the mainstream. And that was international too. Yes. Right? Yeah. Where's Sam He's located? in Austin. In Austin. Adam Carey is located in Austin. Um, so it's cool. So now we have internet, obviously. We have satellite. We have the mesh network. And now we have ham radio. So like consumer style radios are are good enough to send bitcoin transactions um and i believe this was done completely offline like novak constructed the transaction he didn't even construct a transaction he sent a brain wallet 
So oh, he yes. sent the private keys basically. It's yeah. not even he didn't even send a signed transaction. Yeah. So that way you don't need to know an address you're sending it to. That's the big difference, right? Like if you send yes. a private key, you don't need to know the address. Yeah. Fucking fascinating, dude. This stuff's getting weird. And then uh Nick Zabo hopped in and was basically uh teasing the project that he's working on, which has to do with bouncing radio waves off the ionosphere, and he was talking about mixing in mesh networks with like Gotenna with it so and then you're mixing the satellite good and crazy quick it's getting real crazy but bitcoin's not innovating dude bitcoin's stagnant there's no innovation what's none um there's no innovation whatsoever meanwhile we spend like eight hours a day on it right right ridiculous <sighs> did you think we'd be here five years ago 2014 on the way down? No, we're beating all expectations. I mean, I, I thought Bitcoin was going to be made illegal in the United States. Really? Yeah. How certain were you of that? You know, the Ethereum crew actually, you know, they don't get enough credit for that. They uh, they built us a nice little buffer. Because they're like all in like... Just create a mass confusion. Yeah, and they're really good at like regulatory capture and stuff. So, you know, they're lobbying everyone and they're, you know lining coin centers pockets and everything and it's it 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 definitely helped us yeah you know while they, if they're shilling something that's even more experimental than bitcoin then it gives like bitcoin this like you know like this easier path and then once all these rich people have it in their pockets it becomes so much harder for for uh the government to come down on it yeah but did you hear the news today what? JP what Morgan just killed Bitcoin, dude. Oh yeah, Bitcoin's dead. I forgot about that. Dude, it's done. JP Morgan came out with their their E Corp coin. Bitcoin's dead. E Corp. <laughs> e coin. E coin. E coin. Yeah. Was it worth it putting all this time and effort in just to have Jamie Dimon come in and, and destroy Bitcoin in one day? I just think it is extremely blase at this point or stereotypical that of course the big, the big bad evil banker who has been talking shit about Bitcoin this whole time launches his own shitcoin, right? Like that is, that's you, what always happens. Are you worried at all, man? So so this JP Morgan coin is a stable coin. It's a Ripple competitor. That is launched, uh, they launched it on Quorum, which is like their private fork of Ethereum. Um, so it's basically an ERC-20 token that's on their own private chain that has like zero censorship resistance or anything like that. Um, so it's like not a competitor to Bitcoin at all, right? Right. And it's not even different than what they're doing now. I forget who. I think it's like an R3 Ripple competitor type of deal. Yeah. Who put this out there? Let me find And this. they're like competing with Swift. Yeah. So our boy uh, Michel Rauchs. He basically described it perfectly. It's not a cryptocurrency. The blog post suggests it's an internal accounting system to instantly settle customer balances. The degree to which the infrastructure is blockchain-inspired is unclear. Um, let me find the one tweet I'm looking for in particular. Yeah, so the, what's funny about the you send 1 million USD to JP Morgan and get credited 1 million JP Morgan coin is that's exactly how their payments work already. Like When you get a direct deposit, you basically get a digital currency. It's yeah, not it's a, a nice little press release. Yeah. Um, 
I think there's something there with these private chains. If they have like, you have like eight banks get on board and like each, each of the eight, I don't really know about how their system specifically works, but like if you think of it like in a ripple S system it's way where you have like eight validators. So like if you have eight banks and they all have a validator and the only way that one, one can steal money from the other is if like, six of them or five of them act in the bad interest of the whole group. And then, so like, yeah, so like there's a marginal improvement there instead of like each bank trusting each other, like you minimize the trust a little bit, right? Like it's not competing with Bitcoin, but like there is some marginal benefit there potentially with the private, with the private chains for the interbank transfers. Potentially, but I feel like uh, the world of banking is a huge dick measuring contest, and uh, the fact that J.P. Morgan created this will be unpalatable to the other banks. They'll just be like, "We don't want to be part of this. We didn't create it." That's great. I hope they. I hope they fight over their standards <laughs> for a, for a long time before they start wising up. Right. All right. So Bitcoin's dead. This might be the last <laughs> rabbit hole recap ever. Um, this is now a. Uh, it's no longer a Bitcoin podcast. It's a JPM coin podcast. Yeah, we're here. Uh, we're here at your service, Jamie. <laughs> you want to come on the pod? Yeah, send us. Uh, Since this is all recovering from now on, send us the merch. We need it. We need so to what, like the merch. CNBC, Barron's, Gartner's. Everyone was releasing the Bitcoin fud today, right? Yeah, Bitcoin's dead. Barron's ridiculous. The Barons. Does anyone read Barron's anymore? I'm pretty sure registered investment advisors do. I think fucking shitty blog. I think yeah, it's a very mediocre blog. Very mediocre blog. They're hiring some of the worst. They're bringing some of the worst bloggers in the world to that publication. So be careful. Be careful. Um, what is this full nodes block size offline transaction oh we already talked about that um, bit devs bit devs was cool on Monday oh, well, the full nodes I uh, I like did a poll and there was like 44,000 people answered it which is like really good for a Twitter poll engagement 65% mm-hmm. said they didn't run full nodes was it a one two option answer or was there a show your results answer? it was yes Run it on my computer, yes. Run it on a, a separate hardware node, yes. Run it on a VPS, no. 65% said no, so 35% said yes. I think you're looking at this very pessimistically. I know, I agree. I think 35 is really nice. What's, uh, I think you can't expect everyone to run full nodes. The, the key is that... That's they 1,200 people are that toll, that poll. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I think the key is that you can run one if you need to. You know, and like it's it's mostly going to be like a like a diehard group that is is running the majority of nodes, and the plug and play nodes and whatnot will make it way easier in general. But yeah, and ooh, actually, it's a good point. I liked uh, somebody tweeted out yesterday, like making all the gaming consoles nodes, like just implementing nodes into them. They're uh, heavy duty hardware that's constantly plugged in and on the internet, and it would just like make sense, especially with this coalition of uh, or this uh, collision of. Bitcoin, particularly with the Lightning Network and gaming right now. They also have GPUs on them. It'd be nice to run a little Honey Miner action on my Xbox. Right. I've been uh, like a, a little shitcoin dream of mine for a while has been uh, for Microsoft to release a shitcoin and just make it so it can only be mined on Xboxes. So like still be a centralized piece of shit. But like that'd be kind of fun experiment, right? Like it's a shitcoin I would mine. I have an Xbox. Like why wouldn't I? Just liquidate it. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. But no, it seems like a practical avenue through which you can get, like, a node in every home. I, I, Microsoft, it's an interesting 
out of all the game console companies, right? You have Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. Sony has just been like fucking around in general with their mainstay electronics business. Microsoft has Azure, you know, their cloud services. They have, you know, like the one click load your own private blockchain. You know, they're competing with AWS. You have, um, they're working on that decentralized identity project. Uh, Shout out CSU Wildcat. Yeah, exactly. CSU Wildcat. And so, like, they're actually a classic fit for someone who wants to launch a shit chain, right? Like, we could, like, I could easily, you know, like, we speculate about, like, Facebook launching something or, you know, all these companies launching, you know, like, we're talking about JP Morgan right now with their own private chain. Microsoft actually seems like kind of a good fit. So, if they're going to do it anyway, instead of using eight validators, you know, use 300,000 Xboxes. More than that. Or whatever it is, right? Yeah. It would be interesting. Right? Like I had uh, Andre Nevis from Qual Studios on last night. We were talking a lot about gaming and, and Bitcoin. And I don't know. I just feel like it feels right. Oh, it's... it's I, I love wagering on chess against random people. And I'm just like... I'm just getting my beak wet. Like, let's give me some, you know, give me some more juicy games. Yeah. This is a good segue into Monday night's BitDevs meetup. It was a good one. Oh, it was great. It was packed. It was hot. Every time I go to BitDevs, I just want to market by Bitcoin afterwards. Yeah. It was, um, yes, we went over some pull requests, some bugs out there. Apparently, there's a big Android bug um, that people should be aware of. Yeah. I mean, it kind of went over my head, but it seemed pretty bad. Yeah. Most things do. Uh, not your head. They cover my head too. I know. I just gave you a look. That was like, yeah, was no, no, I wasn't mean. saying that. No, yeah, Is like it, fit, like over sixty percent of the stuff at BitDevs goes over our heads. Yeah, you, you sort of just pull it in via osmosis over time. Yeah, eventually up. we'll figure it out. That's what's. That's how you know it's a great meetup, and it was pretty amazing how many people were there. Right, the midst of a bear market. Yeah, it was packed. different night than usual. It was a Monday instead of a Tuesday, and it was just filled. Yeah. A lot of quality conversation. And then there was two presentations. Andre, who I spoke with last night, presented Lightning Chess. And then Carl, I don't want to get his, is Carl Dong? Is that his name? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think it might have been Carl Dong. Is that chain code now? It was previously at Blockstream. He had a really good presentation on like supply chain attacks and uh, sort of the infrastructure of um, trusted binaries. Of like and, actually getting the software to your computer, basically. Yeah. And sort of ways through which we can mitigate potential rooting in the future. It was very fascinating. I'm going to try and get him on the pod, actually. Super complex. Yeah. It is quite the quite the hurdle we have here. Yeah. But uh, it's pretty cool that, you know, this isn't a new problem. But now that money's on the line, there's an incentive to clean to it, fix up it up and yeah. make it as secure as possible. You know, we're seeing we're seeing with Bitcoin in general all over the place is, is that now that you have this financial incentive, um, like actually you can just straight up lose money if you fuck around that people are cleaning up uh, their acts and they're going out of their way to clean up other people's um, messes, like things that have added up over time, all this technical debt that, uh, that have made these systems less secure and, and, and more complex. Thank you. It's a little beer reload there. Drinking Stella's today, keeping it pretty simple. Um, yeah, no, it is. Uh, we got to have a clean head for the the significant others for Valentine's. Yeah, it's a night of love. You can't, you can't be all drunk on the night of love. But um, 
going back to Carl's presentation, the supply chain thing, like you said, like we are cleaning up, we got to clean up the tech set that uh, basically comes with the, the internet as it was built in its first iteration. So it's cool to see uh, the developers, like you said, finding the stuff and trying to, to make the attack service as small as possible. Um, I'll see if I can find a link to share that presentation. Maybe it's on BitDevs. So definitely check it out. There's a lot of cool graphs in that presentation. Yeah, that was a great presentation. Yeah. I talked to him afterwards. Great dude. Yeah, really good dude. Shout out to Chain Code. Thanks for sponsoring that. Uh, Wasabi update. What do we got? Uh, it now officially pulls pulls the information from your full node if you're running a full node on your computer. What do you mean? Uh, without any setup, it just goes to where the blocks are usually stored and it pulls the information from there instead of... Uh, from a random node boss yeah so it's just a nice little now you can easily use your full node with wasabi with with no actual setup on your end it just auto detects how's the liquidity pool looking is it growing grows every day plateauing i'm trying to create a new thing wasabi wednesdays wasabi Started wednesdays it yesterday i yeah. saw that the more people that use you know privacy loves company the more people that use this shit the quicker it goes the the better it gets and they're just iterating like crazy and it's fucking awesome to see uh and to see the improvements. They've implemented it where you don't need equal inputs, correct? Kind of. Yeah. So, like, if you put, like, a large amount in, um, it will... What's considered a large amount? Like, so, like, the minimum amount you need to do a coin join is 0.1 Bitcoin. So, is that, like, 350 bucks? Yeah. If you put in more than 0.1 Bitcoin when you deposit into Wasabi... It will try and match up higher denominations in the beginning to speed it up. But at the end of the day, when you're finished with, you know, your 50 rounds or your 100 rounds that you do, it, they'll all, they're all going to be 0.1 at the end. But, like, maybe, like, you send two Bitcoin and, like, in the beginning, like, it'll mix a couple 0.4s, like, a couple 0.6s because it has someone else that it matches it with. But that only gets you to, like, an anonymity set of three or four. And then it keeps whittling away at it. So, like, at the end of the day, you're still going to end up with 0.1, but they do some auto, you know, auto magic in the beginning to uh, to speed up the process for you. Yeah. I think this would be a good time to remind you freaks out there that if you are sending from the Wasabi wallet after you mix, make sure you're sending it per UTXO, correct? Well, you, so you don't taint. Well, you can... So, Wasabi is ideally supposed to be used as, like, a spending wallet. So, like, you're not supposed to combine the UTXOs afterwards. If you combine the UTXOs afterwards, uh, you're reducing your anonymity set, right? Because um, you're making... They, the person doing blockchain analysis after the fact can make some inferences there, additional inferences if you combine it. Especially if you send, like, two Bitcoin to Wasabi, then you mix it all, and then you combine all 20 outputs into a single 2-Bitcoin UTXO again. Like, that's the most obvious fucking thing ever. They're going to be like, that's the same 2-BTC. And they're still guessing to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. You still get some more plausible deniability, but they'll probably be able to connect it to you, especially if, you know, they're not an idiot. Um, I still think that privacy has been such an issue for, for, for Bitcoin for, for so many years that it, it kind of makes sense to do like a spring cleaning here where you cycle your Bitcoin through Wasabi um, in batches and then put them in a new fresh wallet. 
when you combine that, so you're going to want to combine them at that point because otherwise you're going to end up with a ton of point one UTXOs. And if we end up in a fee crisis again, the more UTXOs you have as inputs in a transaction, the higher the fee, the higher the fee, right? So there's like a balancing act here, you know, combine them when you move them to your new wallet, but don't combine too many of them at once. You know, if you use a higher anonymity set, the default is 51. You can set it in the config file. You can set whatever you want. So if you're combining them, increase the anonymity set, you know, maybe make it 101, maybe make it 150 or something. And then like keep, change up how you combine them. You know, so like if you combine five of them together for like 0.5, uh, 0.5 UTXO, then like the next one, you know, combine eight of them for 0.8. Do it at different times a day. Don't like withdraw from Wasabi and then immediately deposit from your other wallet into Wasabi because like they can make some inferences here. There's not that many people using Wasabi. The guy who just withdrew 0.7 and then deposited 0.5 is probably the same dude, right? Because he's <laughs> like trying to keep his balance low. So like try and think adversarially, right? Think like who's the guy who's looking at the data in five years trying to connect these dots and uh, try and switch it up and be creative. Um, you know, anything that's 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 above 0.4 per UTXO, like you're probably not going to get skewered in fees anytime soon, right? Like the big the big transactions that were skewering people in fees is when their UTXOs were like 100,000 Satoshis yeah. or like 400,000 Satoshis yeah. or something. Yeah. It wasn't dust before the fee crisis, but it became dust, right? Yeah, exactly. So be cognizant of that. Like your UTXOs may not be dust now, but they could be in the future. Exactly. Um, and I think it's a good segue to the final topic, uh, which is the Coin Center paper on cash and privacy, which I thought was actually very illuminating and very, very good for the industry and the fight for liberty and freedom in the digital age, especially revolving digital cash. And I think what they really did a good job of is defining what cash is, because a lot of people have uh, sort of misunderstandings of what it is. And especially after the Quadriga CX debacle uh, of people uh, losing their Bitcoin on that exchange, like we, you have to realize that Bitcoin is a bearer asset. Like it's ca it's cash in the sense that it's a bearer asset that you can exchange P two P, um, with other people, and that gets lost in the sauce. I feel like a lot of people blame the exchanges, like oh that would never happen in U S bank. Well, you don't have a lot of bearer assets in custody at U S banks. Um, you have bearer assets when you go to the ATM and you get cash out, but that's about it. Yeah, and then you have the privacy aspect, right? Yeah. Which is what they talked about. As yeah, well. like privacy is, it's a human right, obviously, but a lot of people are fighting against it. Like uh, a lot of society, that's actually the interesting thing. Another interesting thing about the paper is they talked about societies that are going cashless like China and I believe Sweden was another one. And then other countries which are staying cash heavy like Germany, uh, who still has like the remembrance of the Weimar Republic in their mind and uh, obviously the wealth confiscation that went on in that country post-World War II. Um, so there's interesting to see that uh, some societies with wealth confiscation wounds fresh on their mind are, are very heavily involved with cash economy as well. Others like China, which are trending toward, towards dystopia, are going completely cashless. I mean, Germany is still part of the EU, which is making great strides to reduce cash transactions. This is true. Um, I mean, part of the reason I'm so bullish on Bitcoin in the first place um, and the space as a whole is just that I think cash is on its way out. Unfortunately, I fucking love cash, 
Most of our peers don't. Um, so it has two things. Cash has two things working against it. It has an actual uh, usability issue where like people, especially our age group, prefer to pay with card. They prefer to pay with, you know, Venmo or, or um, Cash App or whatever. They prefer to tap their iPhone and pay. Um, in like China, it's even more so, right, with mobile pay and stuff. And then you have the other incentive, which is on the government side, which is way easier to control their people, uh, surveillance, uh, negative interest rates, um, lack of interest free rates movement. are so evil, dude. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's inevitable that they're going to start, and we've started to see countries actively do it. So it's 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 on both sides. It's it's the actual people are not demanding cash as much. Uh, you know, like there's places here in New York where like yeah, coffee shop downstairs in my building doesn't accept cash. Yeah, I have a taco place that only accepts credit card, and I pull out my cash every time just to like fuck with them, just to remind them like I would wish to pay with cash. But they're like credit card only, right? And like that's that's only going to accelerate. And like from the merchant point of view, like it kind of makes sense. They don't have to deal with the cash register. They don't have to worry about their employees stealing stuff. Everything just gets automatically accounted for. Don't have to worry about robberies. Um, yeah, about it. that's it's uh, clean. Uh, so like the incentives are there to move digital and I think that's going to accelerate Bitcoin adoption, and accelerate cryptocurrency adoption because, yes. because you need privacy. There's You need pri private transactions. You need sovereignty. You need to be able to hold your money. Yeah. And then going back to what we were talking about earlier, where especially if lightning becomes fleshed out and becomes the network that we think it could potentially become again, it's going to be economically irresponsible not to use not to use lightning as a payments network as opposed to like visa mastercard uh fees being the main reason and then um I, f I don't know if this was in stefan's episode or or he jack talked about it somewhere else but jack dorsey has mentioned like a lot of their uh a lot of their metrics are based off how long it takes one of their square card readers to basically read the chip and confirm the transaction they said it started out 12 seconds kills the deal yeah it was at like 12 that. seconds when it began they got it down to like below five i believe but imagine world where you have lightning network payments and it's literally instant like francis paulette was giving a demonstration and literally couldn't videotape it because the confirmation was so fast that like they couldn't catch it so well like you're breaking that so you're talking about like a an order of magnitude uh improvement on the the speed at which like these transactions can be processed even if it's going from three seconds to less than one right but i mean like i mean america's like a bad example because especially with our butchered switch to the chip where like you don't know if you're like supposed to stick your card it's in or swipe dude. and then like we don't even get a pin with it like in europe you have to fucking sign still like on the stupid touch screen where like you can't even fucking do a proper signature like no one's checking that signature because it's not my fucking signature like how do i even fucking do that um but when you start talking, so that's actually kind of good because they're they're butchering their rollout and just fucking around there, which is like really good for us. Uh, but like when you start talking about like mobile payments and stuff, which is like probably where this stuff is going, tap to pay and and uh, maybe like like Bluetooth, like close access, close, like Bluetooth, low energy, like really close Bluetooth. I'm um, like, for instance, like if I wanted to send you a cash app payment right now, like that shit goes through instantly. Yeah. Right? So that value prop is probably more limited. Uh, the big thing is chargebacks, right? Chargebacks, is that like the huge. merchant is fucking 
getting their money right away instead of 45 days or whatever the amount of time is for clearing to happen for the credit card companies. Yeah. And that's that's the big one, I think. And then like through the 3% fee they charge. The, the instant, a little bit less so, but still nice little bonus, right? It makes it actually viable. It doesn't actually put it ahead of the competition, but it brings us up to par, maybe a little bit better than the current implementations. And yeah, chargebacks fuck merchant server. Yeah. Pretty hard. Um, yeah, so the push versus pull mentality is uh, is one that should get its day in the light, I believe. Uh, and it will. That was the last topic of the day. What do you want to riff on here? We've got a few minutes. Um, I was oh, we're t- at Eric Demuth at Eric Underdash Demuth right now is trying to get Elon to accept the lightning torch. That would be fucking nice. Elon, I know you listen to this podcast. Pick it up, man. So I retweeted it, and I uh, I might have played my hand a little strong. I like total told Elon he didn't have what it takes because you know he responds to that really well. Like if you tell him, yeah, you got to challenge people, you know. Yeah, you just tell him like, oh, you're inferior to Jack. Like you can't do it. So like I'm hoping that that'll help build some steam. That would be. Imagine if Elon picked it up. Yeah, that'd be great. Imagine. He's how many followers does he have? Let me see. Twenty four million people to shill it to. That'd he has twenty four million. Almost twenty five. Twenty four point seven million people. Oh, holy shit! Bet you Elon owns some Bitcoin. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, the other thing is uh, the Fold team did ln.pizza. Oh, yes. I did want to talk about this. Way to bring it up. Yeah, so Fold, it's a, it's a consumer app. It's allowing people to buy stuff via merchants like Domino's. I mean, their first... It's uh, just Domino's right Just now. Domino's right now. But they plan to roll it out to Starbucks and other merchants as well. But uh, yeah, people were buying a bunch of pizza with Bitcoin via the Lightning Network last night, uh, particularly with Domino's. What, uh, how do they set up these partnerships? Do you know? I think they're literally just Domino's has no idea. They're just using like Domino's gift cards and stuff in the background. Yeah. Like they collect all your information for you, the address, the order, everything. And then you're making the LN payment and then Domino's doesn't see the LN payment. They get forwarded the The order, the the order and the delivery information or the takeaway information. Interesting. What are your thoughts on this? And supposedly I, I, one of the fold guys reached out to me before, uh, for feedback before they launched. And one of the questions I asked them was, what do they do with that information? Because, you know, you're entering your address into this website. And so so they said that they just, uh, he told me that it's in their privacy policy, which I haven't, I haven't verified, but he said it's in their privacy policy that they just, after they, after the payment's confirmed and they forward it to Domino's, they delete it all. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll hold them to that. And I think Fold has, like, they do, like, Uber and Starbucks already and some other things. Yeah. I'm not sure if they've activated Lightning for those, but they do they do accept Bitcoin for yeah. those. I guess, like, it goes back to the question I asked earlier. Is this time different? Like, are we getting too hyped up about these consumer-facing apps implementing Bitcoin? Is it just uh, uh, smoke and mirrors or bells and whistles? Or do you think it's different this time? I think it's not, like... A big deal in terms of like Bitcoin's price or anything like Bitcoin's price isn't going to like yeah, rebound just price. because you can buy you're basically selling your Bitcoin for fucking Domino's, which is like horrible pizza. We make fun um, of Laszlo for doing that. But what well, he did, Papa John's, which the bit refill guys uh, cleverly noted that you can get Papa John's through lightning with bit refill. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I thought that was cute. Um, but, uh, you know. 
the more ways to spend Bitcoin, the better. I have no desire to spend Bitcoin. I do it in certain situations where I, I want more privacy or or I, I, I don't, you know, I don't want my credit card company to know about it or it's an ideological reason or they don't accept fiat. Um, and then even in those cases, then I buy back some Bitcoin like through Cash App to immediately replenish the amount, the amount of Satoshis I sent. Um, it's more of a thing that we'll need in like 10 years time. Who knows if these companies are actually able to pull a profit from it. But even if they don't, they're like setting the way, they're setting up the business model and someone else will do it. And uh, it's a net benefit. It's cool. It's cool that you can just... Oh, one of the cool things about this was Medium Squeeze, the same guy we were talking about, Ride the Lightning, at Medium Squeeze on Twitter, uh, said he'd buy pizza for anyone. He's not in the U.S. It's U.S. only fold up uh, right now. Uh, he said he'd buy pizza for anyone in the U.S. who posted the QR code of their Lightning invoice. So he was able to buy pizza for some guy located in Miami... Because he had to post it on his Twitter. So I knew it was he's from Miami. But anyway, he bought pizza from this guy that lived in Miami. Doesn't know the guy's address, right? Because all he sees is the lightning invoice. And the guy doesn't know anything about his payment. So neither of them know anything about the other person. But he was still able to buy a complete stranger delivery pizza with no identifiable information from across the world. That's pretty fucking cool, right? That's pretty dope. Shout out Medium Squeeze. You're doing a lot of... Great things. And that wasn't like, there was no technical integration. Like the dude posted a screenshot on Twitter, right? right. That's cool. Pretty uh, pretty bare bones. Um, yeah, it was all the topics we had this week's freak. Ugh, this week, freaks. Hope you all have a beautiful Valentine's Day. I liked uh, Michael Goldstein at Bitstein's advice. If you have a loved one out there, you don't have any plans tonight. Why don't you guys open a couple lightning channels together, you know? Nothing more romantic than that. No. And if you do have plans, maybe cancel them and decide to uh, to spin up a couple lightning channels with your loved one. I hope all of you freaks are finding love out there. Matt, do you have a parting note? Oh, we're, Jack's confirmed, right? March 1st? March 1st. Bang, bang. Flying out to San Fran. Got 30 minutes in and out. Very excited. I think it'll be a fun one. We're going to get cosmic. Uh, you know, people are just getting really salty on Twitter, guys. Like, just... It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Take deep breath. Mm -hmm. Look your loved one in the eyes and forget about Bitcoin tonight. Chill out and, you know. Unless you're spinning up lightning nuts. Yeah. And enjoy yourself. Yeah. Enjoy. And this is not going to be your last bear market if you stick in this. So, you know, get used to it. Get used to it. Enjoy this life. You only got one of them, you know. It's a beautiful night here in New York. Now we're really getting cosmic. Yeah, now we're really getting cosmic. You got one life, freaks. Enjoy it. Peace and love. Cheers. Cheers.